Why don't you purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? You are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I'm speaking with the team uh, from Cyberth, um, the creators of the Virtualizer. Uh, on my to my right, I have Tunche Kakmak. Uh, to my left, I have Philip. This crazy last name that I'm not even going to even try to pronounce. But oh, don't do it. Don't okay, do it. okay. Uh, but you're Philip. I just want to hear it because it sounds really cool. Okay, I'll do it once. Okay, uh, my name is Philip Berdenis van Berlekom. <laughs> that is such an epic name. Oh, and yeah. and in front of me, I have Lucas. And your last name might it's be... Feifhofer. That's it's also not so easy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's another really cool last name. Um, so guys, again, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm I'm really excited because. Uh, thank you, Chris, for the invitation. These are exciting times. You guys are seven days away from finishing up your Kickstarter as of the recording of this podcast, mm-hmm. um, which is August 22nd, 23rd, I believe. 23rd, uh, yeah. 23rd, and uh, it's really exciting because you've met your 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 goal, like your you've you've reached. Uh, what was it? What was it? Remind me again. It was two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars was the goal we set, okay. and we reached that, I guess, in eleven or twelve days, basically. Yes, which I ac- think it was thirteen. Days. Yeah, thirteen days, maybe. Yes, which, according to our research, was the quickest Kickstarter project ever from Austria. So, wow, yeah. congratulations! Pretty, pretty proud of that. That before, is, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Damn, that's awesome! Congratulations. How what was it like during like the the eleven days that you were like were you guys stuck to your computer screens looking at the at the numbers? <laughs> well, but, yeah, yes. We had day and night shifts basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we just met up at Tunja's house at some point at my place and yeah, working nonstop and I mean nonstop on the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. Absolutely. I work ten hours and then Tunja sleeps for a couple of hours and Holger joins in and basically all the time someone was sitting in front of a computer and working on the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, which was kind of stress, stressful to say the least, but it was also awesome and a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. I I've heard this a lot. Like uh, once you put out a Kickstarter, it becomes like your your second job, and and not only does it become your job, like it becomes your. Not only does it become your second job, but eventually, depending on how it goes, it might become your real like your full time job, just keeping up with the Kickstarter and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Has how has been the response from the community? Have you, have you been getting mail from people or or, or just? A lot of uh, mm-hmm. questions. Um, we got a lot of mails from uh, from our backers, from other people who are interested in the project, from uh, universities, comp- different companies, and the feedback is, is great. So uh, all the people are waiting for the virtualizer, <laughs> and yeah. And of and course, they have a lot of questions yeah. because it's new technology, basically, and yeah, people want to figure out what it's capable of, yeah. what it's what it's able to do, and yeah, therefore there are a lot of questions, and we try to answer each and every one of them. Sweet. Let's run through that really quick, because although you, this is your second time on the podcast, I, I'd like to, again, you know, for those uninitiated who are listening, you know, what is the Virtualizer? You know, to run me through that, that spiel. Yeah, the Virtualizer is a locomotion device for virtual reality that allows the user to walk freely in virtual environments. Uh, it is based on a low friction principle, so the user steps inside the virtualizer and puts on a harness. Mm-hmm. And the walking um, functionality uh, is allowed through the low friction principle. That means if the user wants to walk, he uh, presses his hip against the harness and the, this, the feet begin to slide. 
So uh, with this sliding movement, they are detected uh, with sensors, with different sensors integrated on the virtualizer, and then this data gets to the virtual environment and the um, avatar is walking. So the user with a head-mounted display thinks he's walking in the virtual uh, environment without walking in the real space. Yeah, and he's also able to crouch and jump because we have a vertically movable mm -hmm. ring construction in it. So therefore, um, we're, and we are able to detect crouching and jumping to a precision of what was it, one centimeter basically under one centimeter. under one centimeter. So that's something we could also translate to the in-game and character. sit as well. I think. Sit as well. Yeah, we have a sitting function for things like battlefield and stuff where they have to drive a lot of vehicles. Yeah, it, I've tried. So I, I got to try. I had the pleasure and honor of trying the virtualizer uh, two days ago, um, and it's the real deal. I really enjoyed um, the experience that you guys <laughs> have uh, put together. It was, I think I was playing Affected, um, yeah. and it was yeah. So it's a demo. It's supposed to be a scary haunted house demo, and I'm walking through this haunted house. And here's the thing about like the virtualizer that I that I, for me that sticks out really like. I don't remember in my memory the the, uh, the memory that I have of that experience is of me walking inside of a place. I don't it's the the idea that I was, you know, in a crowded room with other people around me, that's um that's not a memory that I that is as intense as the memory that I have of actually walking mm -hmm. and feeling like I was somewhere else because um it, yeah, because it, it it's just delivered in that way. I want to ask you really quick about the low friction principle and how you guys came about to that solution. You know, what was that process like? Why did you decide uh, using a, a low friction surface for, for the virtualizer? Well, uh, at first I began to think about solutions to walk um, in, a fixed, in a fixed real space. And uh, for I had the idea of the, of the ring which uh, uh, keeps the user uh, in, uh, in the middle of the device. And I, the first idea was, was um, to put some kind of bowls under the floor. But I've rejected that idea because it would be um, complicated for the construction and it then the price would higher. So we wanted to make the virtualizer also affordable for the gamers. And then I came up with the idea of the sliding over the uh, place. Mm -hmm. And I built the uh, first prototypes in the workshop of my father out of uh, water pipes, a welded a steel construction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the picture is on our Kickstarter awesome. page. And uh, yes, the principle worked. And then uh, the development was going further this direction. But what's important about the principle, though, is that you have to work on the material of the base plate all the time to get the perfect friction coefficient. And we think with the prototype 3, we really made some progress in comparison to the other prototypes and are now at a state where we say that is that is good stuff, that is the right friction coefficient we want. Uh, so it, 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 let me follow up with that. How did you guys, what was the process of deciding what amount of friction is, is just the right amount? You know, what was that like? What did you have? What you know? What did you have to do to re to figure out? Okay, this is too slippery. This is not slippery enough. What was that like? Um, it was testing. You yeah, have to just feel it. Testing. Just step inside and walk. <laughs> yeah, you can't go with mathematical uh, algorithm and then worry about it's, the calculation. I mean, it is possible, but um, for us, our own feeling was more important. Okay. We wanted to make sure that we uh, really uh, have a nice experience in the device, so we made a lot of tests. 
Uh, now, so there's more to the virtualizer than the actual than, than the platform. There's there's a software that is involved with it, right? Like because it has to track your your footsteps. Um, and Lucas, I know you've been a, a bit quiet so far. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I didn't forget about you. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, okay. uh, when I hit software, uh, it's me. This <laughs> is this is your call, sir. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I I want to know what it is that um, it goes into getting all that tracking down like you know how did you even start you know is that like a, did you go through a checklist of like all right we need to do this this and that or i mean yeah enlighten me enlighten my ape mind the, the, the base idea of the sensor system was one tunja had before i joined the team so basically i improved the the whole setup and made the the sensor system ready for the production and so there I mean, basically, the tracking works with, with six optical sensors, which track the movement angle and the movement speed of the player's feet. Mm -hmm. And there are also some other sensors, like for a ring orientation, where the player is facing to and the player height. So th these are the important, the important data you need to translate the player's movement into the game. And we have a SDK, which offers a really easy drop-in solutions for, um, for important game engines like Unity and, and Unreal Engine. So the, play, uh, the developer itself doesn't have to worry about how, how exactly the device tracks all these movements. He has an easy, set, a easy setup, um, which he can use right out of the box. So oh. it's, it's a fast process for the developer itself to implement our movement device. Oh yeah, so th that's uh, because I've seen uh, you guys playing all sorts of demos. Like uh, you've modded Battlefield Three, you've modded Skyrim, and you've been playing all sorts of other VR demos with it. And you know, I was just wondering, like, oh my God, you know, they must be doing dozens of hours per game to code in there. But you actually it was just the actually, SDK. Actually, actually, we don't have modded the games. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Um, we have used uh, software that uh, translates the the display for the Oculus Rift and integrates the head tracking in the game, like Warp X, a Perception oh. V-Rail, or um, Tridev 3D. And uh, the only thing we have modded was the V-Mode controller. We have uh, written our own scripts to use the V-Mode controller in the games. For example, for Armor 3, we have used the V-Mode controller in, in a setup where you can use it as, a, as an infantry for your weapon. You can get inside a, a car or a tank, use the same device as a steering wheel, or you get in a helicopter or jet plane and use it as the joystick from the jet plane. So uh, that's what we did with the V mode. That's cool. So the thing is, you don't have to mod the games to work with the virtualizer, even if they don't support or include our SDK, because we're able to emulate keyboard and controller input. What? Yeah. You know, let me take so, a step, a step, uh, take a step back and and realize that that sounds really cool. Like that, that sounds really cool because so so once you know these virtualizers get shipped out. And it gets in the hands of people that are enthusiastic about trying them out. So essentially, it wouldn't be that hard to get any game. I mean, is there a limit to what games? Yeah, are... the game itself has to provide movement. So, okay. so but then it, it works for every game. We have analog movement speed for controllers, so for uh, or and keyboard emulation. So yeah, when the game provides the HMDs mm -hmm. or the HMD like Oculus. 
uh, dev kit um, and it provides movements then it's you are able to use it with the virtualizer oh. out of the box out of the box that sounds amazing that sounds really good uh, and it sounds and so uh, why um, and so and why do you guys need developers to play with your SDK do you do you need developers to play your, your SDK or is it just ready for any game at this well, point? Well, um, the developers can make sure that uh, the new VR content uses the full potential of the version. Oh, okay. So, for example, you can use our sensor system from the ring to uh, decouple the sight and the movement direction. Mm -hmm. And this is awesome because when you're walking and uh, one path and looking around, the, the, the immersion gets more higher. Mm -hmm. And also they can use our uh, vertical movement uh, sensor uh, for uh, analog crouching. So you can crouch in every position with a precision of under one centimeter and also jump analog. So you could make a small jump or a high jump. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is for us, uh, we think... Um, the same yeah. is true for walking and running, basically, because yes. yeah, because yeah. the speed so far in games which are non-VR games, mm -hmm. but are not not really custom built for VR, um, they have only mostly like two different set of speeds. Mm -hmm. Like either you're walking or you're running, basically, or you you're walking slower. So maybe three sets mm -hmm. of speeds, basically. Mm -hmm. And I mean, our device yeah. is able to pick up every I'm, speed. I mean, there are some games where you can control it with the analog stick from the controller, like sure. Portal 2, you just use a controller, and we can emulate that too. So you have really uh, different speeds in the environment, depending on the speed the user is walking in the virtualizer. So that enhances immersion oh, again. Wow, so essentially, so the virtualizer, just to sort of reiterate, uh, the virtualizer can tell the difference between me walking, me jogging, and me going at a full sprint. Yes, that, and that analogly. Wow. It can detect every mm -hmm. increase we, in miles We are using six uh, <clears throat> optical sensors for the base plate, for mm -hmm. the feet. And it is like uh, the gaming mice sensors. Mm -hmm. So we can detect the speed uh, of the feet and we can use the data for the movement. How fast is it, does it detect? I mean, what is the latency? Uh, every, for like a footstep, how long will it take to go from hitting the ground to getting processed and being... Uh... The latency is very low because it's like, yeah, it's, like a mouse. It's like so, a mouse. It's, yeah. The processor is 168 megahertz on the board itself, so it's it's really like a mouse. Wow. Dude, there's no latency, wow. which matters. That sounds yeah. I'm uh, more and more excited the more I hear about it. What is the grand vision ultimately for Cybereth? What are you guys trying to build? What is it that you want to see yourselves grow up to? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, first of all, we're focused on the virtualizer right now. Yes, I think yes. that's the, we're not so much into the grand vision thing well, as of my, now. But. Uh, what I think is, one day, the whole planet will exist as a, as a 3D model. So what I want to see is portals everywhere. <laughs> so the, the people can use virtualizer together with HMDs to be somewhere else on the virtual planet, on virtuality. So mm. we could have this meeting together somewhere in Egypt at the pyramids, or we could be at the Grand Canyon. So. Yeah. Awesome. I would be. That or would be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or on the moon, exactly. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, because there's another thing about virtual reality that, that um, so, sort of gives people apprehension, is the idea that people are going to get so addicted, so hooked to it, that there's going to be this you know, push for people to, to stay there and be sedentary and, and, and get obese. 
Um, but uh, not with the virtualizer. Not with the virtualizer. Right. This is where I see you guys uh, providing a really, really useful tool for us to have our cake and eat it, to be yeah. both inside the metaverse and be physically sexy. Like, that would be... Yeah, absolutely. The gamers in the future will be athletics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can basically use the virtualizer as a training device right now, off the bat, basically. That was my question. So, yeah. My, my follow-up is, like, are you guys in touch with, like, fitness gyms or fitness, like, sorts of... Yes, we've yes. been contacted by fitness gyms, and there are some that plan on releasing something like omnidirectional treadmills in featuring them, I mean, in their, in their fitness so, studios. So. Um, but we can't go into too much detail Certainly. when it comes to that. But yeah, we are in contact and we're looking forward to see the virtualizer uh, being used as a workout tool. Yeah. It can, it can be so much fun. It, dude, you seriously. You can have everything. I mean, jogging in nature is cool and all, but if you imagine like a parkour, a futuristic parkour where you just walk around and jump and have to dodge between uh, under something, that would be awesome. That would be some sort of workout I would really enjoy. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, going to the gym is so, it, it can be so depressing because you're just going to this basement or this building, a concrete building where you're just going to be tr running in the truck like a, like a hamster. Um, and yeah, it, it, you know, it's fun if you like you, uh, have friends and people and you enjoy it yourself, but like uh, it can be tedious. And yeah. And uh, yeah, jogging outside is cool, yeah. but it would be even cooler yeah. if I could jog around Jurassic Park and just yeah. be like fucking. The interesting part is you could uh, implement in these, uh, let's say, jogging uh, applications, jogging games. Mm -hmm. You could implement some kind of uh, funny things, like uh, if you don't do the movement, like you have to do some uh, what is it called knee bendings, ten mm -hmm. knee bendings, uh, squats, the squats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't go further in the game. You huh. have to do it, huh. and then the door is opening, and then some NPC is coming and tells you uh, you have to walk, uh, make a jogging uh, race against me. Yeah. And if you win, you will get this stuff, a new jacket or something in the virtual world. So or just get a military instructor to yell at you all the time. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Possibilities are I mean, basically endless. If you're into that sort of stuff, yeah. Full metal jackets. Yeah. <laughs> you can motivate the user to exercise. Well, you know, this is what I uh, this the sort of the trend that I that I that might like surge from this. It's the idea that uh, you know some of the most are mundane things that we do in life, like working out, like going to work, like uh, you know figuring out how what to cook, um, can be gamified. And I I think you know you guys are at the forefront of that, like you know realizing that dream that you know yes you can be physically active and it doesn't have to be. Like this boring thing that you do over and over again, it could be mixed and varied with all these different experiences. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so people are looking for excitement while they do their workout. I mean, you see all these little iPhones on the treadmills, basically, and everyone has their earplugs. <laughs> yeah. in. I mean, people are I bored mean, when they do it. Yeah, there are now um, coming out so much freaky, crazy demos and VR experiences. Uh, I, I won't go into details now, but just imagine you have some kind of random experience. You're getting in the virtualized and something starts and you don't know where you're landing. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's the beauty of, of VR, really. You know, But logistically speaking, I, I, sticking to the whole fitness for a bit, um, you know, how... How will the idea of like sweating and getting like uh, HMD all sweaty and like uncomfortable, you know, and mm -hmm. also, you know, when you sweat like uh, inside the wrist, for example, or when it gets really humid, you know, the, mm -hmm. the lenses start getting all fogged up. I mean, that's 
obviously not something that you guys are working on, but like, well, what is some... I can tell you, uh, once I was about five hours in the virtualizer for recording sessions and it was not a problem. Yeah. But for uh, the sweating issue of some HMDs, there is uh, some kind of interesting project from Eric Greenbaum. He is making pads for HMDs which you can change. So you have the pad between the HMD and your face. And when it's getting uh, sweaty or not um, good anymore, you can change it. Yeah, yeah. Eric Greenbaum is a, a, a scholar and a gentleman of virtual reality. He's been working with some really cool stuff, like you know, solving a very, very obvious problem. I think mm -hmm. the fact that like even experiences that aren't very active, like um, like dread halls. Yeah. yeah, I'll get sweaty just from being scared shitless. Like, <laughs> it, it, it scares the, I mean, you, you know, you, you get all these like flight, flight or you know, flight or fight responses, yeah. and then you know, my body like starts sweating, yeah. and it's um, so it's it's important. I think it's important to you know maximize comfort in that direction. Absolutely. What are you know so so once the virtualizer gets shipped is there like a is it going to be packaged with some softwares like some you know how the Nintendo Wii for example had like Wii Sports right you know will there be something like that for the virtualizer that will take advantage and should give people a sample of what you can do with it or is are you is this secret stuff that I'm asking <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> basically yes we haven't decided as of yet what's yes. gonna be going to be uh, in the package on the software side of things okay. so we can't really get into detail okay. on that point but we're working on stuff yeah. we're working we're working um, by ourselves on demos and have additional to that good contact to different indie developers for example you mentioned thread holes uh, from Sergio uh, we have good contact to him and so it uh, could be possible that in future the people who get the virtualizer can get uh, demos from indie developers additional to the virtualizer. Yeah, and if I could use that opportunity, I would like to give a little shout out to developers right here, that we have a software developer who's capable of getting people the alpha SDK as soon as possible. Exactly. If they just <laughs> contact him. And we need people to try our SDK and we wanted the virtualizer to be integrated as in many indie games as possible. So therefore, if you have any questions regarding the Alpha SDK, you could just contact our dear Lucas Pfeifhofer. Yeah, just already contact page on the on a yeah, right. homepage. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, get this. <laughs> I'll leave your contact information on the show notes yeah. so that people can yeah, get in touch with you for sure. Sorry, you were saying? No. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. Ask, the next question I was gonna ask, and this might be a bit difficult to answer at this moment, but is it's a bit, it's a bit obvious to not talk about. It's the fact that you have this Oculus DK2, for example, that doesn't have full 360 um, uh, tracking, mm -hmm. and 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 so. Uh, for now, is that something that concerns you guys? Is there something, you know, what are you guys thinking about? Like, uh, you know, what's your take on this? Is this something that you're worried or is something that you're going to go around or you're waiting for CP1? What's your, what's your well, opinion? Um, lateral tracking, positional tracking is, uh, is very uh, interesting. And we have tried it with the Oculus DK2 and uh, over the head too. But uh, we are not very, um, what is it called? Um, Pleased with the uh, with the um, being the lack of the of Flexible. additional markers maybe on the back of your head or mm -hmm. on the top of your head of the Oculus DK2. So we tried also the Sony Morpheus and the 360 degrees tracking was very good. And we also tried the Oculus Rift DK2 additional with stem, mm -hmm. and that worked pretty well too. So we are not 
we, we think that in future uh, that uh, HMDs will have 360 degrees positional tracking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it has to. <laughs> I, yeah, it'd be kind of it'd be difficult to see uh, a consumer version Rift without full 360. Yeah. I mean, that's Definitely. yeah, because it, it would be like cutting off your Achilles heel before you even go into war, mm -hmm. Oculus. Um, so uh, hopefully that'll get solved. What are what's your take on Morpheus? Are you guys planning to uh, work with Morpheus? Uh, is this some more secret sauce that uh, we're territory <laughs> that we're going into? But I'm gonna ask anyway. So are you guys? Well, we have contact to Sony, um, but can't um, tell more about it. But we've tried the Sony Morpheus, and it's a next to the DK2. It's a very good HMD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I just trying to imagine a PS4 Morpheus Cyberus Virtualizer together. That would be an amazing combination. Like if you if it was pulling off a PS4 uh, Morpheus Cyberus Virtualizer, that would be crazy. And, and, and we love also the color combination between the Sony Morpheus and the Virtualizer. Yeah, they have the good black. taste. <laughs> they have good taste at Sony. Yeah, you know what? Not to not to kiss too much ass, but I agree. I, I I like the aesthetics of the Morpheus a lot more than the DK2. They um, uh, DK2 is better tracking, DK2 is better screen, but Morpheus just looks fucking cool. Yeah. Like it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie that I want to be a part of. Like I have to say, I love both. They look both very very great. Uh, but I had experience at Valve and with the Valve HMD. Oh yes. And yeah, that's. That's awesome. That's something else. Yeah, <laughs> about what they do. Can you tell me more about this Valve HMD, this alien technology that people get to try, and you know, like, what was it like? How was it, Philip? Yeah, well, it was good to say the least. <laughs> How does it compare to DK2 and Morpheus? Uh, I'm not sure if we can talk about that. <laughs> it's yeah. better. I, I, like that's all I hear. Everybody who says you know Valve versus HMD versus Oculus versus Morpheus, Valve is the best one, right? But what is it that makes it better? Is it the tracking is just better? Or is it the screen that is better? It is uh, has a better screen resolution, better tracking system. Mm. It is the presence feeling is very high. Wow. And it's more expensive. Uh, now, obviously, they don't build the HMD for the consumer market, so therefore, they are not sort of lim there's no limitations for them. Basically. Yeah. They can do whatever they want with it and put as many technical stuff in there as they yeah. like. So, yeah. They, they also design. have to, to modify PC and the bus systems. And wow. So, because um, to get this high frame rate on this high resolution, you also have to improve um, the band bandwidth so you get more data in short time. To the to the HMD itself, and that doesn't work. That, that doesn't depends only on the HMD. It also depends on every other part, every other part on this setup, graphics card, PC, whatever. Yeah. So it's it's a lot more work and not consumer ready. Um, so it improves I mean, the results. It's ridiculous to say at this point of the VR development, but basically they're working on the next generation of yeah, it's VR HMDs. Proof wow. of concept, maybe. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I don't want to stick too stick too long on Valve, but the the prospect, the idea that there's somewhere out there an HMD that is better than DK2 and Morpheus that gives you better presence. What do you guys, you know, just virtual reality wise in general, like what what what's your take on this idea that we're now, you know, utilizing or we're starting a new way of, you know, interacting with computers? Or what does it feel like? I mean, what does it feel like to be in the middle of it? Or 
at the forefront like it is an awesome feeling we yeah. love uh, we love it to be here to be um such co a strong connected to the community to meet a lot of people on our trip here in, uh, in america and to talk with you now in person yeah it's awesome. uh, when was the last uh, um, um podcast it's like 10 months ago 10 yeah. months ago it's, wow. so it's awesome yeah and uh yes we love the the community they are really great yeah I mean, and I, I mean, I'm the philosopher of the bunch, basically. So I find it completely fascinating that that whole term reality is basically bound to change over time. Because as of now, we're calling it virtual reality, what we are doing. But if this becomes something that every consumer has at his home, then the term virtual reality and reality won't make any sense at some point. Virtual reality will become some sort of reality as well, and reality will become some sort of virtual reality as well. What do you think we'll call it when it reaches that point? What do you think it's going to be called? I have no idea. There's going to be some philosopher that brands the right term for it. Maybe it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could take some time. <laughs> yeah, well, let's philosophize some more, uh, because that's that's a I mean, fascinating thing to think yeah. about. Like, There's a term for it already, in a way. It's called the simulacrum. Oh. which is a concept of French philosophy, basically, of the 20th century. Simulacrum. Yeah, which is a copy without an original. Oh. A sort of weird, weird concept. And that is, in a way, something that could describe what virtual reality and reality concept sort of will make out. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. What's, what, about you, what about you, Lucas? What's your take? How, do, how's it, how does it be, how does it feel to be doing this at the forefront, you know, all that good stuff? It, it's great. I mean, for me, uh, one of the key problems... Um, of VR is this turning around 180 degrees. So for now they're solving this with with um, the key, uh, the keys to rotate the player or the mouse, mm -hmm. which for me is one of the worst solutions ever. <laughs> and, <laughs> I like your honesty. Yeah. Um, um, the first time I really tried a VR uh, application or game was when I was standing in a virtualizer. Um, which was at this point not possible for a lot of other VR enthusiasts. And then I turned around and there, yeah, okay, and okay. And I played this uh, some VR applications without the virtualizer, virtualizer um, later, sometimes later. And then I wanted to turn around and I looked over my shoulder and tried and uh, how, how should I do this? And then, yeah, you have to look, move the mouse. And it was a uh, what the hell? Why have to do this? <laughs> and for me, and for me, it's, it's really I only can play VR games in the virtualizer because I don't have this problem to turn around. So that's and so that makes it really sick. yeah. I get motion sick really really fast. So when I'm not playing with the virtualizer, and that helps me a lot. And I through the fact that I'm working on this team uh, um, together on this project with our great team. Um, it, yeah, it's makes uh, it's great for me because I can really enjoy this VR. Yeah, <laughs> and how you it should be. I you solved your own problem. Yeah, yeah which, is also, which is always good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good so, point. And, and what's uh, awesome too is that we are now learning so much from from the, the scene, from other companies, mm. from other people which we met, talking with them, exchanging informations. That means a lot for us. Mm. The feedback of the people, awesome. Yeah, yeah it's weird. That whole uh, virtual reality community is somewhat... A family. So it's a family in a weird way, you know. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. come over here. For me, it's the first time being in, in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley. And we you see the people 
every day basically when you're here you meet the same people at different events and you get to chat and you have ideas and you get to communicate and that is something that is really exciting for us yeah because yeah, i was gonna ask like what is uh what's it like in europe what's that's what's how is virtual reality taking off in europe these days well, in Austria, <laughs> there's a there company is... called Cyberism. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. <laughs> I, 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 heard stuff. I heard that they're making some weird, weird, stuff. Some weird stuff, huh? <laughs> um, so yeah, what's it like in Austria? Is it is it when you people off the street do are they aware that there's this VR no, thing happening? Is, I mean, we have, for example, when it comes to social media, if you obviously analyze where people come from, from Austria, there's a big fan scene. Mm -hmm. Because people, I don't know, of our families, etc., it's it's spreading. The word is spreading, and through um, Dunja's connections to the university, mm -hmm. the Technical University of Vienna, mm -hmm. it's somewhat a big project in a way, and people recognize it, and that's cool. But on the other hand, there's not that big scene like there is in uh, Silicon Valley. I mean, yes. for example, your professor Hannes Kaufmann, a very capable, uh, very capable VR mm -hmm. uh, engineer, but he's again, he's he, well in Vienna, there aren't as many people just mm -hmm. um, focusing yes. on VR yeah so that's something yeah I, I feel like uh, from what I've been I've been seeing sort of in, and please correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like you have this amazing talent in Europe but it's sort of isolated you have places like um, and, and, you know you guys you guys have engineers and developers and talented people you know that are isolated in their own little places like Portugal or Spain or Austria mm -hmm. and, and there's not that much of a community behind them that I, I would wish they yeah. would have. I mean, language yeah. is a barrier, obviously, always. Yes. In yes. Europe. And that's yes. one thing. That's I mean, there are how many languages are there in Europe? I can't even count it. So, mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, if you have 300 million people living in a country that all speak the same language, mm -hmm. that's good because you can focus <laughs> same interests yes. in one space, like sure. Silicon Valley, for example. Yeah. And that is something which is very hard to do in Europe. I mean, we are here now in America because of a visit in France. We have visited the Laval Virtual in France and won there with the second prototype of the Virtualizer two awards. And one of these was for emerging technologies that we can visit SIGGRAPH in Vancouver. And everything happened then that we can make the trip down here. So, uh, and it was very exciting and shocking for us to see and in Laval this virtual reality scene. It was great, it was amazing. We come come out from Austria and thought, okay, there will be some kind of little companies, and some few virtual reality uh, enthusiasts, but there were a lot in Laval. Mm. Laval is like a hotspot of virtual reality in France. And, and it's awesome. not a big place. It's right? not it's a big a place. It's a really, no. really small town, but for some weird reason it's focusing on VR now, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And that is great. How about the business side of, of trying to like raise money as a virtual reality company to businessmen in Europe like, like, or venture capitalists in Europe? Is it, you know, is it a different beast, a whole different beast in coming to Silicon Valley? Uh, yes, it is different in Austria, for example, because the investors and venture capitalists in Europe are more, uh, they're just thinking about the project and the market and the economy, but they're not thinking about the people behind the project. And this is different here. If you uh, talk with the people and learn learn the people, they, the uh, investors and venture capitalists, they believe in the people, not only in the idea. Mm -hmm. There's sort of a different mentality in the States when it comes to investment. Like it's okay or not only okay, it's, it's basically good to take some risks with your investment. That is something which is pretty common in America. Like you have risk capital and you just 
invested in dif different companies and maybe some of them will work out some of them won't that's completely different in europe hmm. yeah what's People it are, what's it like they're more reserved oh uh, yeah more reserved they want a higher higher percentage of of success basically a 100 percent so to speak yeah wow which is which is kind of weird but hey yeah hey you're here now yeah so that's good <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're doing the right thing um yeah and someday they will look back in austria and uh, say to themselves damn could have invested in that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's gonna be awesome, and you're gonna be um. So, the idea, I, 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 going back to virtualizer, as you can see in this podcast, we jump a lot between different subjects. Um, so, uh, but something that I'm really excited about with the virtualizer is, is the fact that you guys might uh be the defibrillator that the arcade industry needs. You know, I feel like you know the arcades are dead. Um, and and I think. Uh, because you know, for a lot of reasons, but here is this thing that you guys could provide to arcades yeah. that could mm -hmm. bring them and, back, and they're contacting us. Yeah, I mean, they're really excited yes. about the whole prospect of getting a virtualizer, and they want to have it as quickly as possible. Which, unfortunately, as of now, we're not we're not able to produce. But um, I mean, imagine it to have a place where ten virtualizers are standing there, and you go there with your friends. And you just have a big, I don't know, it's a Counter-Strike party or whatever, something in that direction. That would be just awesome. It would be so much fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. For people uh, who don't uh, maybe have the money to afford that, it's good. Or the space. space. Or the space, space in their flat, for example. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or they, they can just go to the uh, game arcades and um, experience other virtual environments. Yeah. For, for some dollars. I, I, I think there are also, um, I mean... They can switch the games very easy on that device mm -hmm. in comparison to what arcades used to do. Yeah, you had to just buy a computer for one game. Basically, you had your Street Fighter setup or whatsoever, and that was the Street Fighter computer. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted a new game, you had to buy a new machine. And with the virtualizer, you're able to, yeah, I want a new game. These people want to play this. These people want to play this. Yeah, just install it and then go. Yeah, which is something that is amazing for every account place. That is amazing. Um, if you are a uh, budding entrepreneur and you're listening to this podcast, I'm gonna give you a free idea, uh, free of charge. Well, tell it to us first. Uh, <laughs> it, it's out to the world now. Uh, so get a get a van or a large bus, modify it, and get ten virtualizers and go around. To parties, birthday parties, or uh, go around to like weddings and 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 put the bride in a virtualizer, you know, like and the whole family in there. Um, easily, easily, you got you know the next generation of arcades. Honestly, even sports themselves could be somehow or easily almost translated to the virtualizer because it's such a physical idea. I was t I was waiting in line to try it and I was talking to someone else, telling them like you know we should have a race. You know, we'll, we'll go. We'll run from one end of the map on Skyrim to the other end, <laughs> and see who wins. Like, you know, because because just how you said, like the jogging it and running, it can tell me. You know, it can tell between those. So yeah, I figured right. be fucking awesome if I could just have a race and be like, dude, watch out for the bear or the troll or the giant. Uh, an ultra marathon in the virtualizer. Uh, sports is something that perhaps can also oh, running inside your heads for the virtualizer, or perhaps too far at this point. 
well, sports. Uh, we have sports in our mind because we are doing sport in the in the virtualizer, <laughs> so doing something for our body, for our health. Uh, but uh, elect- I mean, but you mean more like a new sports game, right? Like mm-hmm. the, like something like I don't know, football, soccer, or whatsoever. Yeah. Something that is a virtual game only, basically, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that depends on uh, developers coming up with real cool ideas, right? I mean, it would be cool. It yeah, would be great. It yeah. would be awesome. And I mean, for example, with the whole concussion thing in American football hey, going on right there now. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be something really nice for parents, I guess, to just say, well, I pick my boy up from virtualizer training. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that would be kind of cool. That would be. That would actually be, be pretty cool. You know, more on the technical side, what is the ideal input device that you guys think would go hand-in-hand hand with the virtualizer and an HMD? You know, I don't know if a controller well, is satisfying. Um, we have tried a lot of different uh, devices. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, we have uh, tried the prior VR suit, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a very interesting experience because you have your whole body in the virtual world. You can see your arms and legs. We have tried the um, six and stem. We have tried, yes, you know, the the Vimo together with, as a weapon and. Um, well, we can't tell which is going to be the best, but they are all working very well. They're all in development as, as of now, basically, mm-hmm. and we have no idea how good they're going to get, what the development will look like uh, when they release it to the, to the consumer. So as of now, there's no way for us telling which is going to be the best to use with the virtualizer. In the back of your heads, 10 years from now, what do you think it'll look like, though? Like, you know, take a guess. What, what do you think will be the ideal you know, locomotion plus input HMD setup. Will it be a glove? Will it be a a leap motion that is projected and has a box, you know, where for movement capture? What do you think? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Full body tracking, basically. A body suit. I think it will be an optical full body tracking. So, like, it's like... Motion capturing, but um, yeah, with with cameras which tracks the player without having the need of of reflectors on the body. So they basically mm-hmm. you step in to the into the virtualizer, yes. and the optical tracking system can capture all your movements. So in yeah, especially in ten years, this mm-hmm. would be possible. And I think this is the 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 resolu- uh, the, the the solution for for these tracking systems. Certainly. Speaking of what's possible, would it be possible uh, to incorporate Android or mobile VR with the virtualizer? So the Dorvis Dive, or the there's a bunch of others, like Google Cardboard. Um, you got these Android mobile VR experiences, and, you know, it's it, 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 it'd be interesting to see if you could pull it off somehow with the virtualizer, be able to walk inside. I mean, it is no problem uh, to uh, walk inside these environments uh, with Google Card, for example, in the smartphone environment with the virtualizer. Uh, but we think that most of these will be used in I mean, when you're on the way, when you're in a train or when you're in a plane. Mm. They have so, a different purpose to yes. serve, basically, mm. these constructions. They should give you like a, like a short amount of entertainment. Mm-hmm. while you're traveling somewhere or something. And we want to go for the whole VR experience, basically. Yeah. I think that's that's two different pa- yeah. pairs of shoes. Is that a, is yeah. that an English uh, express, uh, expression? Like that. That's a good there? expression. Huh? I'm going to start using it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Um, but, but, 
<clears throat> seeing how fast mobile phones processors are grow are gro going and they're getting faster and faster and the screens are better getting better and better and um, you see Samsung for example rumor has it that they're getting involved with VR like um, is eventually you know and how long do you guys think it'll take before you know mobile VR catches up to desktop VR in terms of putting out the same experience it will take some time okay. yeah. <laughs> because of power consume uh, of, of the graphics chips and oh. everything else so to 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 achieve what desktop PCs can do now it will take more than five years from now I think yeah. they have to to develop new techniques to produce smaller PCs transistors whatever so the to catch up with desktop species now, this will take still will still take time from I think. Mm. But um, for these static um, environments, like looking around when you're sitting in in a train or something, this is something which is possible still ever already possible on these mobile devices. Mm -hmm. So, but no, not really games and high yeah. high end content. Mm. It is very important to have a high frames per second for a good experience and if you have an um, environment with a lot of details and effects, lightning effects, you need high um, uh, processor power. <laughs> so we need, uh, we think that for now uh, the, the really detailed experiences will stay on the desktop PCs. Okay, makes sense, yeah, I'm, I agree uh, full-heartedly. Um, what are your guesses, your estimations as to the first year sales, worldwide sales of Oculus Rift consumer version one. Do you have any guesses, estimations, bets going on? Depends on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> what they want to do with them. If they want to sell it for one hundred bucks, then yeah, <laughs> it's gonna if, be a lot. Okay, let's 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 round with that for a sec. If if they sell the Rift at a hundred dollars, pretend I brought myself in, into in parallel universe one, a uh, hundred dollar Rift. How many units do you think they'll sell? Um, not more than people who are ready to buy a graphics card, a graphic card for five hundred dollars. So, <laughs> wow, we're really good yeah. at avoiding questions. Aren't yeah. we? <laughs> I, I think a one hundred dollar Rift will not help if the people have, don't have the money for their desktop PC to mm. run it. Mm -hmm. So that that's one of the problems for now. Yeah. <laughs> But there's no guesses or numbers in your head that you're thinking like 10 million, 1 I million for one year. No, I, I, I will not guess, but I think really it's not the, the, the market for the Oculus which reduces them. It's the market for the PCs and the price for the PCs and the desktop. Everything, because it's a lot higher than, than the Oculus itself now. To, because you need these high frame rates. That's a very smart answer. That's a very, very good answer, actually. To think, yeah, because, hmm, that's a very good answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually, I actually don't have a response to that answer. That's a good answer. I, I don't, I don't know either. Yeah, you know, because that's smart one of the <laughs> you're, you're, because <laughs> now you, you see on Reddit that people um, complain that uh, they need a new setup. For the to develop for the DK2 because mm -hmm. it needs so much power for this 75 um, frame rate. What you really need to get a smooth, uh, smooth experience, and that's 
yeah, beside these $350 for the Rift you need, a new PC or something, yeah. which most of the gamers have, but this will also have an, an, an uh, will also be a problem when they have this consumer product ready because yeah they're saying the consumer ready it's fine and nice but you need still need this gamer pc mm -hmm. which so i think there will not be more they will not sell more rifts than there are gamer pcs in the market wow. <laughs> i think that, that will regulate most of the it's it's expensive pcs yeah. are expensive yes in and then, and then, and then, it's not accessible to to the casual consumer to build a PC, right? Because they can be. It's cheaper to build a PC, but it's 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 in, it's hard for someone who's just a casual, you know, uh, sort of consumer. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good point. So, what does Oculus do? Do they Steam? Do they, do they use Steam Box and pair it and and make it a bundle? Bundle the Oculus Rift with a Steam Box, or you know what happens then? I mean, maybe don't know. I, I have no idea. Yeah, huh? What they will do what, what? to to avoid the problem of Oculus. nobody knows what Oculus will ever do. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, until they do it. <laughs> yeah. Should, should I ask on their Facebook page? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the reaction uh, in in Europe or or around you guys when you heard about the Facebook accusation? Was that was, did people react at all? That were people aware that that happened? Yeah, people were aware. I mean, at least that they were somewhat interested in VR. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the reactions were pretty much the same as in the States, I'd say. Like, very negative about it. Mm -hmm. and people wanting their money back, and uh, this is a rip-off, and now it's a sellout. And, well, for us, it was different, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, I've seen no problem mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. Facebook buying a promising company that, in the end, helps the whole VR development because oculus needs money, yeah. money and partners yeah. for producing own hardware displays so right. it makes quite sense that facebook is joining this vr i mean oculus would have worked without facebook as well but now they will do on a larger scale and faster and that is, hopefully, yeah, yeah. And that is mm -hmm. something we are looking for yeah no it's definitely propelled the industry uh, a lot faster and yeah. a lot and much further sure. than and the, otherwise and the general interest has risen because of it because yep. people heard about the purchase yeah i mean in all um in all uh, papers in germany for example there was an article about facebook purchasing this purchasing this new technology mm -hmm. which people have never heard before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never ever. the office was something that was my parents for example called me Ah, like, oh, what is this? Uh, Facebook is purchasing something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the Oculus Rift. Yeah, okay. Ah, that's cool. That's cool. So everyone now basically has heard at one point what the Oculus Rift is, at least. Yeah. And that is something that can only help the VR community. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Um, it's uh, it's gonna be an interesting uh, thing to look at ten years from now for mm -hmm. sure. What that it's gonna evolve to, but it's, right now it's awesome. I mean, it's it's propelling us very. I mean, as long as they don't use it to play Farmville with it, then, <laughs> then, then I'm basically good. Or, or Candy Crush. Um, <laughs> candy Crush. <laughs> the Candy Crush VR experience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's um, yeah, it's it's so fascinating to see this happening right before our eyes. Uh, because ultimately, like, what do you think VR is going to turn into? Do you think VR is going to be the just something that people, hardcore gamers use? Or is this something that people... Um, we'll use day to day. Um, will it replace our monetary systems? I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, how, give me your wildest dream. What do you think VR is going to turn into? 
And we think that VR is going to be the next big thing after smartphones. So uh, the people will use VR uh, in the future every day. And it will not only be in an entertainment, gaming sector, it will also be used in social media, it will be used in professional uh, companies for uh, training of employees, uh, for uh, therapy, for medicine's purpose. So we think that VR will really change um, the yeah. art we are living, the, 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 way, the way we are living. And not only will they use it every day, they will use it subconsciously, like we use smartphones now. No one ever thinks about getting his smartphone out and getting to the internet, which is such a crazy idea if you think about it from a from a brighter perspective. Or yeah. just take a step back and realize that you have basically the whole information of the world just right in your pocket. That's just weird. And VR will become the same thing at one point. We people will just step into VR because it's the natural thing to do. Yeah. Just like yeah, I have this meeting with this guy and he's over there in China or I don't know, and yeah, just put on VR things and then then I'm in there. And that's what I meant before with the whole reality, virtual reality thing. That yeah, it will become part of reality. It's the, it will there won't be anything virtual to it anymore in a way. I think that's the the thing where it heads to. And I'd say, if, okay, that's maybe a longer time, say twenty years or something. But <laughs> at one point, you can quote me on that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we have it. We have it on record now. This is Philip von Bellen. <laughs> it's on record. No one will remember because of your last name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Is> Philip? <laughs> you know, this time, when Philip said... That one time he said that, he was right on. He spot on that, Spot Where on is that, he? dude. Where is nah, he? He's in the virtual he's, being, he's a philosopher now. He's a philosopher <laughs> predicting the future. Um, what about you, Lucas? What do you think? Uh, what, do you, what do you think VR? What is the ultimate, you know, your, the wildest dream of what this thing can become? What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I mean quite the same yeah so it will be common so like when you see these cardboard projects you can hand them over mm -hmm. to everyone everyone knows exactly what it's mean to be and so it's yeah it's it will go mainstream got um the, the vr community get will get bigger and bigger and on some time the everyone knows what the thing is about, what this Oculus is, or this HMDs, and yeah, basically it's well, like the smartphones, yeah. so good. It will explode. So that is a, that's a very good uh, way of putting it, the next thing after smartphones, right? Like what, you know, because I wonder like, all right, you, we, yes, we have smartphones, you know, um, what's next? Mm -hmm. And it's, it, AR is not ready. I don't feel like AR is no. ready. Um, I don't feel like AR has the funding, at least, to be able to make it to become ubiquitous. But how do you how do you sell VR to people? How do you sell VR to the skeptics? How do you approach someone that's that that'll tell you, man, it's just having a you know it's just having a screen right in front of your forehead, or you know what's different? What what does this give me that my TV doesn't? You know how do you answer to people that might say that's that? That's very very complicated yeah, because I, I think we've talked about this already. I'm not quite sure. But immersion is such an empty term, basically, mm -hmm. if you haven't tried it yourself. Mm -hmm. It basically means nothing. Yeah, well, this is really immersive. If you haven't put on an HMD, you have no idea what someone's talking about when he yeah. says, yeah, that was a really immersive experience. Well, I, I tried it the technical way. I'm just telling them, okay, you have the 3D, you have to feel the view, you have the head tracking. And, <laughs> and then I tell them, oh, now you're in the world you want to be. <laughs> And that is, yeah, that's pretty hard for the VR community to get that word out. But so, what's the only way to to do it then? Yeah, well, 
show people yeah. basically yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's it's... it and i mean we had this event here in san francisco at the gallery uh, the minna gallery which was pretty cool and you were there as well and we really enjoyed the whole event and the good part about it was in our mind that not only uh, vr developers were attending the event but also regular folks who just passed by because mm -hmm. it was a free event basically and they were blown away at first day they came to the version and said, what's what's this what do i do with this and we're like yeah this is a cool virtual reality locomotion device and like, uh -huh, uh -huh. okay skeptical <laughs> yeah. skeptical at first but then waiting in line and once they were in they're all like completely blown away that that blew their mind basically because they didn't think that vr came as far as it now is <laughs> and that was something we really enjoyed and we think that it needs way more of these things to get the word out yeah. and as you said before, arcades, for example, that could be a really good start for it. Definitely. Yeah. And mind you, they were trying the virtualizer with a DK1. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, uh, it's, yeah, it's not even, yeah. there's, I mean, that's there's the funny so much thing. More. People who try it the first time, they don't care about the frame rate or yeah. the resolution <laughs> of the thing. That's true. They tr care about the experience. After a while, you get used to it and you're like, yeah, I want a higher resolution. Yes. I, and the latency. I'm not completely satisfied with exactly. the latency. <laughs> yeah. But even, first time, it's always like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm, I'm spoiled. I'm one of those spoiled, uh, of VR enthusiasts. Oh, thank you. No, that's okay. I oh, thank you for. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I try on DK2 and I'm just I'm in there and it's amazing and I don't get any sim sickness anymore. Um, but but I, but I, once in a while I'm like, oh, if only I had a little bit more resolution. If only oh, if, you know, like that's. Uh, but that's gonna be on its way, right? Like better resolution. What do you think? You know, philosophically speaking, how do you think VR is going to change us as humans? Um, because Sort of how cell phones, smartphones have changed us. You know, they've changed our behavior. They changed our, you know, how we interact. You know, just uh, as individuals and as, you know, as a ma as the masses. Um, how do you yeah. think VR will change us? Uh, I think that knowledge will be transported very uh, more than before because you're. Uh, possible to take on these HMDs and visit uh, historical places. You can visit uh, places um, of, uh, of different countries and learn from the culture. You can learn the geographic scene. Uh, you can learn a lot with virtual reality. So um, I think that with, um, with the technology of, of virtual reality that information and knowledge will be faster transported to the people and um, between cultures too they can meet each other everywhere so uh, and um, try to communicate over um, virtual reality I think it had it has the potential to somewhat erase the problem smartphones have caused when it comes to uh, socializing mm. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't want to sound all too hipster, but it's really. I no, I feel at, you. I at feel times, you. it's really weird to see people like twenty people standing around, and every one of them is just using their smartphones, mm -hmm. and no one's communicating. Mm -hmm. And only after a while, you notice, oh, they are friends. By the way, yeah, <laughs> they are a group that belongs together, and no one's talking to each other. Yeah. Maybe they're texting. I don't know each other while they're standing across from each other, which <laughs> makes no sense, but they still do. And virtual reality could be something that has the potential to change that, mm -hmm. I guess, because. Then you'll have the, the, the combination of information, like you have in your smartphone, with the potential to interact with other people while you're using it. It's, it, it's a different different kind of animal, I'd say. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I think that could be interesting. 
because we're with our and I'll get to you in a second because because we're with our smartphones we're we're constantly trying to be somewhere else yeah. we're trying to be somewhere else at the same time yeah. you know we're we're here with my I'm with my friend but I also have to interact with this other person on the other side of whatever the city but with VR you can have them all and plus yeah. and and plus more like yeah. your the information but maybe I'm completely wrong and people will just in VR get out their smartphone as well yeah that is that is very meta <laughs> that is very meta um, what about you Lucas what you know how do you think VR will change humans humanity uh, mm, I think yeah this old smartphone thing putting out your smartphone I mean, it's also a kind of, of um, when they try to send messages to each other, it's also a kind of com uh, communication, but not face-to-face. -face. And um, depends on uh, which part of VR gets interesting for, for the mainstream. Uh, depend on them, this, this will change the, the human being. So when they like VR for for socializing then also this these hmd things and and vr gets for will move these socialized tracks to to interact with, mm -hmm. with another but if vr gets more into this gaming and and being for your own virtual reality then it maybe will change it in the other direction like smartphones did for facing each other mm -hmm. so I think that depends on what the crowd wants. <laughs> yeah, I, c I can't say what they will, what they want to do. That's a very good point. I mean, if you if you're if you're uh, if you're someone who likes to be alone, VR can exacerbate that because now you can explore worlds entirely by yourself, right? You know, but if you're someone who likes to be social, VR could exacerbate you know that ability to be with everyone and be everywhere. That's a good point. Yeah. Huh. Exactly. Well, so we'll, we'll have to see. Um, <laughs> good, good points, gentlemen. It's been an awesome talk so far. I'm going to start bringing it down to a close. Uh, do you guys have any last comments before we start closing things down? Yeah, first of all, we want to thank you for the podcast. It's been really yes. great. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much, thank Chris. You. And hopefully we get a San Francisco tour from you, Chris, right you, after this podcast. You shall. I, awesome. I, I, we need some sightseeing. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. so, we had so much to do. Uh, we haven't got we want the time. virtual reality <laughs> tour. Uh, you, uh, yes, you will get the real reality tour. Um, uh, Chinatown Fortune Cookie Factory and uh, Hot Cookie. Hot Cookie serves these amazing, these giant... Um, Hot cookies? Penis cookies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's just this, 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 there's these, oh, I need to catch my flight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so I'm going to uh, make sure that you know, uh, all the information to you guys is linked in the show notes. Yeah. How Please can visit people... us on our Kickstarter yes, exactly. page. Yes. That will yeah. be yeah. something. Uh, there's all the information yeah. about the virtualizer, basically, and it's only running for another seven days when this is recorded. Mm -hmm. So check out um, kickstarter.cyberith.com. And you'll find all the information there. And we have a YouTube channel. We have a Facebook page. So whatever you like, go visit us and subscribe. To How us. can people follow you on Twitter? What's the... Is at Cyberith. At Cyberith. At Cyberith. Yeah. Perfect. Um, once again, uh, Tungche, Lucas, Philip, you guys have been true scholars and gentlemen of virtual reality. Thanks so much for your time. You're thank welcome. you, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.